And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> Welcome, everyone. We are live-ish from the bunker. As you can see here in the corner, that says pre-recorded. Hello, my name is Jason Hyde. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. And uh, I am in two places at once right now, as you hear my voice, the dulcet tones of my voice. Glad to have you all with us. And uh, if you're listening to us as a podcast, or if you prefer podcasts, we're on a number of different podcast players, so you can enjoy the show that way. Hopefully you do enjoy the show. We're glad you're all here with us. And uh, the chat, we're running this as a premiere, so the chat is there. But since I'm not here, I won't be able to respond. You can also leave a comment if you're seeing this in replay. And of course, you can always send us an email with your feedback. Live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. You can suggest topics. You can tell us what you think about particular topics we've discussed. You can suggest guests for us to invite onto the show. Uh, so uh, we do welcome your feedback. I read every email that gets sent in. So, uh, so you can converse and cuss and discuss and, and let me know what you think. So, All right. This is, uh, a, co- this is, this is a, a, a topic I don't know that I'm... I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it justice, really, because the mm, it how out. do we how do we start this? Okay, over the weekend, uh, Mrs. Boss and I. Mrs. Boss is here, by the way. Hello, Hi, Mrs. everybody! Boss. Great that you finally announced that I'm sitting here. Well, I have to I have to do all of the busy bits. So over the weekend, we're we're you know killing some time. The snow's on the ground, and it's just like okay, well, what are we going to do? So we watched. A movie. As we do. As we do sometimes. And this movie was uh, one that has been on my list of, of films to watch uh, that I hadn't gotten around to. It's a movie from 1977, 1978, depending on where you look. And this is impressive because he's seen a lot. And I, usually I it's him edumacating me, but it's rare that we are seeing an older film that you haven't seen. Right. So the movie Capricorn 1, uh, the IMDb listing here says 1977, but I've also seen 1978. This story is one of those that kind of skated under the radar for some people, and it didn't get... It wasn't as big in the box office as something like, say, Star Wars, and I it could be any number of reasons for that. But the basic gist of the story is the Capricorn One is the first mission to Mars, the first manned mission to Mars. And at the very beginning of the movie, 
we have the the setup for the premise. So I'm not really giving giving anything away here because in the first five minutes of the film, they pull the crew out of the capsule on the rocket. And you're like, oh, what's going on? What's what's happening here? What are they doing? And it turns out that there's a problem with the capsule. There's, there's a problem with the rocket. And as they pull the crew out, they take them someplace else, and the rocket goes ahead and launches without them. This movie stars James Brolin, Elliot Gould, Brenda Vaccaro, Hal Holbrook, Sam Waterston, a very young-looking Sam Waterston. You know him from Law & Order, but he was doing other things before that. O.J. Simpson is in this. And uh, it turns out O.J. Simpson is in this because the studio wanted O.J. Simpson because he's at the, the height of his popularity coming off of his football career and he's, he's getting into film and he's wanting to do some stuff. And writer-director Peter Hyams was thinking maybe um, not the best choice, but he went ahead and worked with him and, and said he did okay. Uh, he, did, he did pretty well, uh, all things considered. <clears throat> But James Brolin is the leader of the of the crew, uh, Brubaker, and Elliot Gould plays a reporter who kind of gets strung into this thing and realizes that there's there's a story here. There's something going on. Something's not right, and and he gloms onto this because his friend says something doesn't add right. up, and then he disappears. As you do, as you do, and not only does he disappear, but he's been completely erased. Somebody else is in his apartment. The receipts are there that somebody else has been there in the apartment for a year. This guy apparently never worked at NASA and all of this stuff. So it real real conspiracy theory type stuff. As you do. As you do. The government. And the 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 idea here is that the the company the company that built the that provided the the life support system for the mission was the lowest bidder and did sloppy work. And they realized about a month and a half before the launch that the astronauts would be dead inside three weeks and they'd never make it to Mars. So Hal Holbrook's character, in a panic, because, you know, That's what you these do. missions, you know, they're already talking about chopping our funding. And if anything goes wrong, they could just, they could, that's, that's it for the entire program. And NASA's done. And what are we going to do? And so in a panic, he decides to set up a studio and fake the Mars landing. Very similar to the movie. Well, and, and it turns out that the uh, Himes wrote this in the early 70s. It took eight years for him to get this thing made. And he wrote this 6970 when people were talking about the fact that we had faked the moon landing. And that was the beginning of this. He's like, well, how? what circumstances would you have that would, that would cause something like this to happen? So he's got this, you know, manned mission to Mars. We've got to save face. We have to put on a good show. And so they basically threaten to kill their families if they don't cooperate. As the government does. As the government does. <laughs> 
And so they go along with it up to a certain point, and and they do the they do the manned mission stuff. They do the the transmissions back to Earth when they come out of the lander and drop onto the surface of Mars and all of these kind of things. And then something goes horribly, horribly wrong. As they do. As they do. They they have this. Uh, as as the rocket is coming back, you know the mission is coming back. Everything's been by the numbers, and then on reentry, the heat shield separates. I mean, I'm I'm giving away the the bulk of the plot here, but it's worth watching anyway. So they have to escape because now they're dead, and they have to figure out, okay, well, how do we get out to show people that we're not dead? Because this thing has gone completely off the rails. They didn't hang themselves. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, and the the thing that struck me is how well this movie holds up after all this time. What would make that? Oh, are, are you talking about the looks? Or are you talking about the premise well, of both, faking? Both. Okay. Uh, I mean, story wise, story wise, it holds up. I mean, the ending the ending is a little bit abrupt. But you know, it it gets the job done, and it gets us where we're going to be. And where are they can, supposed to really go from, that. go from there? But this idea of faking the Mars landing, and NASA cooperated with this production. I'm actually really surprised that they did because this basically shows us a conspiracy between a government agency or or people within a government agency and media, and whoever else is involved in setting this whole thing up, we didn't get really, we don't really get an idea of who all the players are that are involved, right? We get, Because we there get are hints. some people that seem surprised, but then, again, like you said, we know one person who's definitely involved in this, obviously, Yeah. but everybody else, you have to scratch your head a little bit and wonder, are they or are they not? Well, and and the other part of that too is is it leaves it ambiguous enough that the audience is sitting there thinking, are they are they in on it? Is that person in on it? Is he in on it? Is she in on it? What are they the now? Government and yeah. you can't. Anyway, go ahead. No, I, I'm just saying. Now, well, no, I, over on it's it, it's interesting because over on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 62% rated critic score and 58% audience score. And who knows how many how many reviews it's got from however long ago. But if you look at Metacritic, it's got an 8.5 user score here. And I have to wonder how many people have put their ratings on this thing recently. <laughs> because it's... I've mentioned Wag the Dog. And I highly recommend Wag the Dog. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, a number of, I think it was actually Kirsten, uh, Kirsten Dunst's first movie, maybe. Mm, I'm looking. And Wag the Dog is the same kind of thing-ish. You have a crisis, the government hires media people to spin a story in order to justify particular actions and whatnot. It's not exactly the same thing, but it is, it is this, let's make it up and fool the public conspiracy that really resonates a little bit more than I expected it to 
given the current climate and the circumstances that we're dealing with now with the pandemic, because there are a lot of people out there, and I won't admit to one way or the other how, what I what I think. I mean, I've I've said some things you guys could probably figure out what I think, but there are people out there who believe that this whole pandemic was planned from the get go. I mean, you look at Event 22, and and now we're getting information about funding the gain of function and all this other stuff. And people are asking, is he in on it? Is he in on it? Are they in on it? What does he know? What does she know? What's, what's, what's the right answers here? And one particular scene in this film really struck me, just really stood out. And it's with the, when they play back the message from the president. And the, the contrivance is we're on the moon. We're actually in the studio, but not in the moon. We're on Mars. And now that we're live casting, you know, it's a 21-minute delay. So all of this happened on Mars 21 minutes ago. So here's the signal. We're just now getting the signal. And they play back the message from the president. And I want to, I want to play back the, the, the back half of that message because it struck me as very much applicable to now. And I'll tell you why on the back end of it here, I'm going to, I'm going to play this here. Uh, this is from Capricorn one. The future. We will never be the same. For this moment, more than any moment in our history, has made all of the people in the world realize that we are part of a planet that is part of a system, that is part of a universe. We are a small, energetic species, capable of pettiness, yet capable of brilliance. We know how bad we can be. Now you, the men of Capricorn One, have shown us how wonderful we can be. And the camera's pulling away and revealing the studio how here. We can reach. How high we can reach. We're in a, we're in a warehouse here. Great frontier. And you have shown us what we are. People. Of different colors and religions and ideologies. However, a single people. You are the basic truth in us. You are the reality. We will never let you down. And we will always be grateful. And the the irony of that is when he's sitting there and the camera is pulling away, for those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, you didn't see it. But basically, as this speech is going on, the camera is pulling back away from the crew standing outside the landing module in a studio in a warehouse. And you got dirt on the ground, you got all this stuff, you, get, you keep pulling back and pulling back and pulling back. And as he's talking about truth and reality, you see the studio lights and you see the scrims and the, the flags and the nets and the smoke coming off of the lights and, and the two by fours on the floor. And you're pulling back and you see a couple of people in lab coats that are standing there. And it's and the juxtaposition of you are our reality combined with the reveal that it's all fake had me thinking about a particular 
a particular media thing that was done a few weeks ago, months ago now, where certain people got a shot on camera at the White House, which actually turns out to be a set and not really on in in the White House. And a lot of people kind of scratching their heads like, why would you fake that? And if they faked being inside the White House, if you faked being in the Oval Office or wherever that is, what else are you faking? What else are you lying about? And this movie was this movie was was done forty some odd years ago. Before I was born. Before you were born. Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> And I'm listening to this speech from the president. I'm thinking, how how much how much of that could be done? Could be said today? Has been said today? Because how much of our reality now is managed and manipulated and algorithmed to death? Pre-select a question before. Uh, my great uncle Ray God rest his soul he never believed we went to the moon he was he my my grandmother's older brother and he never believed it he you know he to his dying day he always believed that it was fake and of course there was that there was the, there were all of these stories these conspiracy theories that Stanley Kubrick had been involved in, in putting this thing together and he could have done it. I mean, you could have faked the moon landing. I mean, really, up until a certain point, where, why is your camera shaking? Um, I was laughing and because everything's attached to everything else. It's, yeah. I'll but, stop moving. But as, as, as has been pointed out, up until a certain year when other space probes went to the moon and started shooting back other, other images, and even then... All of it could be fake because, I mean, I could create a little moon diorama here and, and slide a model on and, and you, could, you can make this stuff up. But of course, people have said, you know, since they didn't really have the technology to kind of do that sort of thing in, at the end of the, of the 1960s. But 2001... Kubrick could have done it. And it's that germ of an idea that Peter Himes takes and goes into this with the Mars landing. And the more things change, the more things stay the same, I guess. People are the same. But you can, you can, it was like media manipulation? Hmm. Maybe, maybe, maybe something. What could this movie be made today? Well, uh, yes. Well, okay. When you sit there and you say that, is it that can this movie be made today, like it is there, or what the movie is, you know, faking it and all that stuff, or would there be too many people who would say it's too much of a discussion on what 
part of society may be thinking is going on? I mean, what what aspect are you looking at for can this be made today? Well, not necessarily from a from a, a political ideology thing because there's there's not really politics in this except is there the well except the cynicism of the early seventies. I mean, you had you know, one of the one of the reasons why this movie was able to be made when it did was because we had Watergate, and before Watergate, nobody would look at this. Nobody had any interest in making this. And after Watergate, we had the cover-up and you had the conspiracy and all this other stuff, right? And then you have you have Vietnam falling apart and all of these different things. Where now the, the climate is such where there's a distrust of the government that you could actually probably do this. And now, the way things are now, the way things are now, you have this global not just not just national but you have this global mistrust of authority because we have no idea depending on what your sources are anybody could make up any kind of story and have information to back it up and when you look specifically at something like the pandemic, for example, or the lockdown or anything, where you've got the government telling you something and you've got government healthcare agencies like the CDC and World Health Organization, all these things that are that are that are arguing over trying to sell you a line about, you know, these vaccines will do X, Y, and Z, and they don't actually do X, Y, or Z. Mistrust of the government is very easy right now. And I think Social media makes that even more so because whatever you click, you get more of. But see, that's why I ask what it is, because you sit there and you say that mistrust of all this is there. But as you pointed out earlier, depending on where you're getting your information, what is that level of distrust? I mean, if you were to split it up, yeah, half the world might be distrustful because of this and the other half, look at how easily there are people out there who roll over and say, oh, that's what they said. Yeah. We need to do this. So then on the other side, you have people who are not distrusting. So, let, you know, and you, you talk about, you know, can this movie be made now? And so it really does come down to half the people would say this is a statement of what's going on and the other half is like those are those crazy conspiracy theory people well i think it. it's i think it's kind of like what you got with the reaction to matrix four you know with matrix resurrections a lot of people are seeing it as a very bad sequel and other people like me are seeing it as a commentary on sequelitis and reboots and remakes and franchises and all this other stuff i mean it's 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 the epitome of franchise fatigue on the one hand, where you're seeing this thing, enough already, but it's also a commentary on the Hollywood machine basically saying, well, we have to milk this thing for all it's worth because we don't know anything else. It's getting done regardless of you. Exactly. And, well, and then you you pointed out that right now where it sits on Rotten Tomatoes, it's kind of like, you know, half the people like it and half the critics like it, mm -hmm. or vice versa. It depends on how you look at your glass. So with today's climate, because that's the way it is, where are your critics and your, I mean, people are one thing, but the critics who 
according to the movie and the story, if we were to go with this, they're going to be, some of them are going to be in on this and the other half, maybe not so much. So it's not so much, I mean, where, how would it get painted? I guess is my question. Um, <laughs> well, some of it probably would depend on the, uh, uh, depending on the casting. I think, um, don't look up comes to mind as maybe a modern day equivalent on this where you have people who are sitting there saying, you know, there's a meteor that's going to kill us. You know, it's going to impact the earth. It'll run, 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 hide. Let's, let's see what we can do to, to stop it. And you've got others who don't believe them and, and think that they're cranks. I haven't seen that movie. Uh, so I'm going off of second and third hand uh, descriptions of it. But from what I've seen and heard, a lot of people are saying that this movie skewers everybody. It skewers liberals and conservatives and, and trust the science people and government people and everything. And Capricorn One doesn't really do it from a standpoint of comedy. It doesn't do it for comedic effect. It does it, it's very chilling, actually, in how this it plays out, how it could happen. Because I mean, you you look at this, you know, the proliferation of of phone cameras and everything else. If this movie was made today, I'm sure that cell phones and mobile devices and social media would factor into all of this because then you'd have not just the one guy sitting at station 36 who says this doesn't work. The signals are coming in faster than they should. They're coming in from someplace closer than Mars. What's up? And then hey, look what I found on Reddit. And you would see all of this stuff would get factored down. I mean, Reddit would be a part of it. 4chan would be a part of it. Q well, QAnon. I mean, wh uh, whatever yeah. whatever all of these groups would be, that would have to figure into this at some point. Well, and, you know, the one thing I'm thinking of while we're talking about this with having the government actually involved in things and making it look like something else, look at what happened with the governor of, what, Michigan? Yeah. The FBI was involved in that to make it look like it wasn't the FBI and it was other people. Now, to be fair, let's say allegedly. But yeah, you're right. That that whole that whole plot to kidnap Governor Whitmer uh, involved several informants of the FBI. We've got reporting on that. That's been documented. That's been out there. Um, how much? the FBI decided to, per, to to pursue that and and make that happen. Jury's still out on that. I don't want to sit there and say, well, the FBI conspired to kill a governor. You know, you, 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 let's, let's not go that far. No. Not yet. But, but there's still involvement there. And no. you, you already have... I, I don't think there's any... I... I'm not going to say 100%, so don't quote me on this, but I'm 99 point some odd maybe percent that there's nobody out in the world that completely 100% trusts the government. Like, no questions asked, like a religious figure of some sort type thing. Um, I would argue with that. I would, I would disagree with you. I think that there are a number of people out there who have absolute 100% faith in the government, and they're... They're in that trust the science camp. They're in this, how dare you question, uh, how, how dare you decide you're, you're going to be selfish and do for yourself and, and that kind of thing. I, I think 
there is a group of people but we're politically talking aligned. bigger than that. I mean, we're I'm talking about the whole shebang. Whether they completely 100% the reasoning that we're taxed over the penny mm-hmm, we just mm-hmm. picked up on the ground. Yeah. And stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, there are people that are so far and I and I will say this, they are so far progressive left that they they have have totally bought into the narrative that the government has all of the answers. Um, and it's they're uber socialist. It's it's that it's that belief system that the government has the fix for everything. You know, universal basic income and uh, universal health care and single payer and free school and and free college and all these different things. And when you sit there and say, "How are you going to pay for it?" Well, we're going to just tax the rich. You know, they, they don't they don't think it all the way through. And I can completely believe that this if this movie were made today, in the same sort of thing, in the same sort of of style and the same storyline, you would have to figure that a that a social media uh, influencer oh, yeah. TikTok presence would be a part of it, and you'd have. Well, hang on. This doesn't look right. Look at this picture here. Look at this picture here. Look at the reflections here. Look at these shadows on this one, and this, and, the, and you'd have this whole subreddit well, of I mean, people that are that are. Look at how. Out. I mean, we've already seen how social media has pulled together to help solve crimes. Mm-hmm. Because they don't believe. Yeah. I mean, they're on social media. They're creating this stuff. So how hard is it for someone else to do it too? Yeah, that's 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 true. All right, when we get back, we will continue our discussion about Capricorn wine and how gullible you all are. All right, when we continue. Stop insulting our watchers. Right after this, stand by. (laughs) Sci-Fi For Me Radio, where all of us are madmen in a box. Sci-Fi For Me is about to take you on an incredible journey into the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. Conventions and fandom, previews and reviews of movies and television. Sci-Fi for Me is working to be the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Subscribe now and enter the fantastic world of Sci-Fi for Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Live from the bunker, Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back in the bunker. Are you sure that's not yeah, what the music sounds like? <laughs> well, that's not uh, that's not from the soundtrack of Capricorn One. No. <laughs> then no. It well. Okay, <laughs> I'm not even going there. No, but uh, it it. Speaking of which, we could go there because Jerry Goldsmith did the soundtrack, did the score for Capricorn One, and I didn't. I don't know that I knew that ahead of time. I think I might have, but. Um, it was funny that I'm listening to this. I'm thinking this sounds kind of familiar, but I didn't place it until you know music by Jerry Goldsmith. I was like, aha, because it, then it struck me how much some of these uh, music cues um, 
sound very, very Klingon because the, the, the rhythm and the, and the, uh, the, the militaristic march style uh, that he's got that he used for the Klingons is in here. And it's, and it's very prominent when the bad guys show up, whether it's the, the helicopters or it's, we're going through the, the chase in the desert or something like that. And I, every composer's got his unique style. Every every composer's got a got a voice, um, and it was it was interesting to see. I may have to actually get the soundtrack for this if it's still available. I have to look. I got a birthday coming up. You do? Yeah. So, what did you think of this movie? Is this was this was it anything like what you expected? Did you expect? Or? Well, okay, I didn't know what it was exactly, except for that you wanted to watch it. And then when you said you had not seen it, again, I was shocked because you've seen everything. And so I was not expecting to have you schooled at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, I did like that there, it jumped right into it. Yeah. There was none of this lagging around. Um, and like you said, it set it up because one, you have the launch, two, you have the people watching the launch. Which, you know, brought up some great questions at that point. Like, okay, well, why is it only this group watching it? Mm -hmm. You know, when if it's going to be the first manned mission to Mars, where we're going to be walking on Mars, where are the key players that should have been there? Yeah. Well, now, to that point, I think it's interesting that they make a big deal of the president not being there and the vice president is. And historically, the space program generally falls under the purview of the vice president. That's not anything unusual because when Nixon was president, Gerald Ford was vice president, you had, uh, he was in charge of the space program when they, when they started with the, the space shuttle stuff. And recent, most recently, when you had you know Trump and, and, and increasing the funding for NASA, and you've got the Space Force coming out and all this, uh, Vice President Pence was in charge. The Vice President is generally the one from the White House who's in charge of the space program and and that sort of thing. So well, I, to I me, it didn't strike me as being unusual that the Vice President would be there. But at the same time, I guess it's because. Yes, we have had the shuttles that have taken off and all this, mm -hmm. but the space program's kind of been shut down at the same time over the last how many years? So with Trump coming in and re-energizing NASA, re-energizing with the whole Space Force and all that, yeah. it's for today's generation, that's a new thing. Like, oh, we have this agency. And it cracks me up a little bit, my inside baseball little bit here because NASA is actually ranked the number one government agency to work for. And, um, and you that you can among, among federal employees based on job satisfaction and that kind of thing, right? When it comes down to it, when it comes to any type of satisfaction, when they do any type of surveys and you can find this anywhere on the web because they're constantly going to be polling federal workers to get an idea so they know how best to work in whatever direction needs to happen with mm. federal workers. And so one of the things you are always consistently reading about um, 
with some of these, you know, government newspapers is that NASA is always ranked up there. It is number one across the board. And it's not just, oh, this year or that year. Oh, we got funding for Space Force. No, it's it's always been there. People love working for NASA. And even when you have some of these other uh, private companies that are federally contracted through NASA, it's the same thing. Yeah. So you've got, and it's interesting because, you know, they're sitting there talking about some funding issues and in the movie and you're just like, you know, this really is, unfortunately it's true because that's the government for you. But at the same time, you feel bad if you know any of your insider baseball with this stuff because you're talking about one of the most popular agencies of all the agencies, which and isn't I, hard because you're, it's NASA, first of all, but well, at the same and, time. And I think to that point, it's it's... It's probably part, uh, popular partly because NASA, on the whole, by and large, historically, has not been seen as a political agency. It's the space program. It's, you know, it's the space shuttle. It's the International Space Station. It's well, the Apollo you, missions and the moon landings and, and probes to Mars and that kind of thing. Well, and that's something that with... You know, you talk about what's going on here with the political climate right now, mm -hmm. especially with the pandemic and the mandates that are being thrown out there. You have the, the question that you're getting from like JPL. Why are you even trying to have these science conversations with, you know, well, you, with you these know. engineers who are doing this stuff? You're yeah. talking to scientists you are talking and you're trying to explain this to them and then that's well, why it's not when it that. comes down to it you have like them who have um, nasa's very well taken care of when it comes to following the mandate but like jpl not so much because you're talking to these you know nuclear scientists engineers and all well, that they're specialists they're, exactly. they're specialists you know like we can't we can't just easily replace you know People can't just walk off, the, you know, walk off the street and take these jobs. Uh, but but besides that, the other the other part of it is, you know, a few a few years ago, whatever whatever director for NASA was talking about Muslim outreach, and and that was that was one of the things that was now part of NASA's core. And a lot of people are like, "What? Why? No, it's you're you're supposed to be exploring space." And that didn't go over very well. And I think, I think fortunately and and smartly, NASA's kind of backtrack off of that and said, you know, we're gonna, okay, we've got the Artemis program, we got the Orion program, we're gonna we're gonna go back, we're gonna go back to the moon, we've got the Mars Mars missions and all of those things, and maybe. It's a thing that people will pay attention to, but I think you know one of the things that that they point out in this movie is you know Hal Holbrook's uh, character is in there, Doctor Calloway. He's sitting there. He goes, you know, when when Neil Armstrong stepped foot on the moon, it was a huge deal. Everybody was watching, right? And by the time they got to Apollo seventeen, it, was, it wasn't even on the air. You know, people were saying, "Why is this on? I want to watch my." My, I love the Lucy, Lucy, I love Lucy reruns, yeah. Which is ironic because 
Lucy is Lucy's the one who gave us Star Trek. But the I think you'd probably run into that same thing now. We did with the space shuttles. You know, when when the space shuttle first happened, when Columbia first went up, the very first time that we launched the space shuttle, it was all over the place. Everybody was talking about it. It was all over the news. It was on all the TV networks. And by the time you got to the end of the, of the space shuttle program, nobody was paying attention. Nobody cared. You, know, you, you didn't care until one of them blew up. You know, we cared when the Challenger exploded. We cared when the Columbia disaster happened. But by and large, in the main, most people don't care about the space program. Except you get us, who you know, into science fiction and whatnot. We want to go out and do spaceships and pew pew and all of that and here's watching them take off on youtube like yeah i mean spacex has reinvigorated an interest in the space program from from the general public in a way that that you don't you haven't had and you know for all of what anybody may think about jeff bezos you know, Blue Origin is doing the same kind of thing where you have these, yeah, the floaty, the floaty, you know, floaty uh, dinosaur in the cockpit. A dinosaur in space! But that takes us, that takes us further into this idea that the private sector is going to be involved in whatever it is that we do going forward, whether it's SpaceX or Blue Origin or Virgin Galactic or some other outfit that comes in. Well, that's because we've shown that the government has too many T's to cross and I's to dot and all that to be able to do certain jobs. Some. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) All right. So what did you think of the movie? But other than that, um, I was I was into it because I, especially from, so until I started, you know, dating you, my limited understanding of creating. Hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Yes. There was. Let me let me back up for a minute here. <laughs> Because here's what I heard. <laughs> okay. I heard before I started dating you. <laughs> what, are you what are we going to have to have a conversation later? I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> all right. Pray continue. <laughs> okay. Before you came into my life that's, and that's, changed that's a it little better. and made it what it is today, I just can't pull my. Anyway, don't um, oversell it. <coughs> anyway, Man. no, before beforehand, I I I read enough junk news stuff to have a general idea when it comes to making movies, coming up with anything like that. And when right. I say things like that, it's like, you know, reading your tabloids. Now I'm behind the scenes because of what we do here. I'm reading about you know, projects coming up, what's going on on sets, learning from you, from your own side, working on projects with you. So I'm seeing the backside of them creating the, you know, inside the warehouse of the moon landing, mm-hmm. where kind of like last night when we were watching war games and the flashing on the faces and things don't do that. 
Um, me sitting here now and being able to look, and I think it's in the same scene that you had played here where they're listening, but they're showing what's actually going on in the warehouse and they pull away. Yeah. And you see on the back, like I mentioned, the shadow. Mm -hmm. And having to wonder, yeah, they're watching black and white TV, but I know that when you have those conspiracy theorists in regards to landing on the moon and they're looking at the different shadows and the way they're going. So in my mind, having known that from conversations you and I have had, not so much you know, my previous life beforehand, and seeing what we do to make sure that we're getting around anything that would show what we're making is not real. Um, it, I, I see things like that. So on that side, I'm appreciating it. On the same side, knowing and learning and seeing things that are going on in the world and how people are reacting now, paying more attention, kind of the conversation we had last night as well, mm -hmm. um, having a better appreciation of this. And, you know, I, I'm a perfectly good fan of older movies, so watching something like this is not going to be like, oh, my gosh, it's a movie that was before me. Um, I enjoyed it. It kept us going. There was no... You guys, you, Tim, and we've talked about, and you and the kid have talked about those lulls where you're just like, okay, that scene could have been 30 seconds shorter. Right. And we would not have lost anything. And I felt this one kept you going because you're constantly, I mean, they're not going to sit there and show the whole eight-month process in five hours like, you know, James Cameron would. They're, you know, they're like, okay, here's this. Okay, here's this. It's a, been a few months. Here's this. It's been a few months. So you keep moving and the buildup and the buildup so that when you do have those moments where Brubaker cracks, you feel it. Even though it's moving fast and you're not having to get dragged out with it. So that was nice. I mean, there's a few other little spots I wish they maybe had developed a little bit more. But at the same time, it doesn't kill a film either. Yeah. So overall, I I enjoyed it. I I really did. I did too. And I and and on one level, I'm looking at it as as a retired filmmaker myself, and I say retired only because I I You know what that word means? Yet. But as as a filmmaker myself, I'm looking at the craft of it. I'm I'm listening to the dialogue and I'm and, and I'm and I'm I'm paying attention oh, to the you, structure. You and that, the plane. In, oh, yeah. Oh, oh okay, you want to so, talk about the re, well, quote, unquote, yeah, retired me, guy here over here. Let me, let me get to that in a minute. But there's one particular place when uh, Elliot Gould's character uh, is talking to his friend who works at NASA. Yeah, they're, they're, they're playing pool, right? And he's already... He's already gone to his boss and said, something doesn't seem right. Something's not right. And a few months later, he goes to the the, the top boss. He says, it, it just doesn't, something's wrong with the console. Something's wrong with these numbers. They don't add up. What what console number are you on again? 36. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, weird. Yeah. So they they brush it off. And he's and he's sitting there playing pool with Caulfield, uh, Elliot Gould's character, who's a reporter. And he says, it just doesn't seem right. And he says, those those signals didn't come from further than three hundred miles, and it's just a just a real quick passing comment in the dialogue. 
And suddenly Caulfield pops up and he's like, hang on, what did you just say? You're I'm, speaking I'm my suddenly, language now. I'm suddenly sobering up a little bit here. And he gets called away to a, to a phone call. And when he gets back, his friend is gone. And has, at that point, disappeared and ceased to exist. And of course, being a reporter, the antenna go up and, okay, something's not right here. What's going on? And when when Brubaker talks about the family vacation, you know, they're sending their signal back and they're talking to their families, right? And he gives the he gives the signal, he basically says, and as soon as he said it, I knew he was going to do something. I knew he wasn't gonna blow the whole mission and, and everything was gonna come apart. But he starts to talk. And he says, we're going to go back to, to Yellowstone like we did, or Yosemite, Yosemite. Yosemite like we did last year. And you see it flash on, on, on his wife's face. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we'll do it. She plays with it. Because, you know, I'm not going to embarrass him in front, of the, you know, in front of the world media or anything like that. But when Caulfield is asking about it later, turns out they go to it. They've gone to a, a Flat- Wild West uh, flat, uh, flat, flat rock. rock. Yeah, flat rock, Texas, it, and it's a wild west thing. And the, and one of the things that was notable about the trip is that they were shooting a movie. And there, Brubaker was just in awe of how they faked it all. And you you can see in in Elliot Gould's performance, you can see him starting to put the pieces together, and things start to click. And it's and he's funny. figuring it out. And and there's no wasted space in this script at all. Well, and it's funny because when that first happened, because I, you know, when she made the face, and my thought is, it's kind of like you and I have talked about if something's wrong, how we get in touch with each other, just, you know, hey. Mm-hmm. And part of me was wondering, because of what it is that he does as a living, yeah. and the fact that, I may need to say something to you, but I can't say something to you because of whatever. When that happened, it, my mind was saying he's giving her the heads up that something's just not right. Uh, that's a that's a good possibility because yeah, you're right. We have we have talked about that where you know some some families have have their emergency protocols, you know, I'm going to send you a 911 text or, or, you know, meet me, meet me at the, meet me at the fireplace across the you, street. You and you hear about that in the news where, you know, that strange last text that I got from my daughter who disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, neither one of us are feeling suicidal at this point. Yes. Just no. to make that clear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, well, you know, it's totally legit. <laughs> well, yeah, and I look at you know stuff like like Tim Pool getting swatted, you yeah. know, a, a few weeks ago, and the climate that we're in right now, and and things like that happening, but also this idea that there are people out there, not necessarily government agents, but there are people out there who are bad actors in the mix, who 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 will either stir up trouble just because or they've got a particular axe to grind because of reasons real or perceived and 
there's just people out there who don't care. Yeah, well, there's that too. Well, no, I mean, it doesn't matter. I want my message to get across, and I don't care how it goes about. Yeah. All of that to say that, you know, a certain amount of preparation is not uh, not uncalled for. But I don't think that we're going to get caught up in a conspiracy with the Mars, the, the Mars landing or a return to the moon or anything like that. But you never know what conspiracies lurk around the corner. Just saying. I do recommend watching this movie. Oh, don't forget about your plane. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, okay, so there's a scene. They, they steal a Learjet. They steal a plane. And the plane doesn't have any fuel. Any fuel. Because and he so forgot to check the fuel. He didn't check the fuel. <laughs> I told you before we left. I, I, that, Sam, that was cl- I love Sam that. Sam Waterston's character got some great lines. Oh, he's, he's amazing. Yeah, he's I love this stuff. Which is really ironic considering the character that he plays on Law and Order. You know? <laughs> like, this is Waterston. Oh, okay. But anyway. Climbing it, it's that a fun rock bit. was fun. So the... So the 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 plane goes down. They've already got damaged uh, landing gear because they took off and hit a car on the way up. As you do. So the way they shoot this, you've got a landing strip. You've got you've got the 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 Learjet goes down in the desert, and and the idea is that it it belly flops. It, it lands on its on its belly and doesn't have. We don't have any any landing gear. But the way they shot it, you never see the landing gear, but it's clear that the plane just lands. You know, the, the way they've done it is is they you know, you've got this dirt in the foreground and the angles, the camera angles just below the horizon line, below the ground level, all this. You never see the landing gear and the plane. Of course, you're not going to crash a Learjet just because. And it's done really well. And I'm looking at it and I was like, that's all in camera. Oh, he got so there's excited. No, there's no CG. <laughs> it's all a practical thing. And it's just, hey, let's put the camera here and you can't see the landing gear. He sat there and it was hilarious because we're on the couch watching. And he's just like, oh, oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. Like It was what? very and impressive. I'm, and I'm sitting there like, okay, explain this to me. <laughs> so he's seen like, where they did this and they did this and you never see this. I mean, he. There's moments where Mr. Boss can be cute. I am never cute. For the record, <laughs> I am never cute. I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, I do recommend watching this movie. Watch it in a double feature with Wag the Dog. And you will never look at the media and the government the same way again. That's my takeaway. <laughs> and you're not feeling suicidal. I have not. Neither <laughs> one of us are. We are totally in our right minds. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. Leave us a comment. Send us an email. If you've got a topic you want to suggest or if you've got a, a guest to, to suggest that we invite onto the show, uh, we do look at all of those emails. And, of course, we do invite you to check out all of our socials and 
the different video platforms that we're on. We've got a tip jar over on PayPal. We've got a subscribe star account that I don't manage that I probably should. If you've got review material to send us, there's our mailing address right there on the, on the top of that list. Find us on all the different socials and uh, we will do this all again. Uh, Wednesday's conversation with Declan Finn talking about his new book, which is coming out Tuesday, today, the day we're airing this show. And then on Thursday, James will be here and we'll be talking about Superman and Lois, assuming that his work schedule doesn't change on him. So we'll be planning for that. So that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, folks. I will leave you with this quote. This is from Alfred Lord Tennyson. A lie which is half a truth is ever the blackest of lies. Remember, folks, they want you to think that there are five lights, but there are indeed four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.